travel through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary through the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce the soul from without within, but my soul leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of His saving grace. On the streets of glory let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord dark may be the night, but I'll cling more close to Him he will give me light Satan's snares may vex my soul Turn my thoughts aside But my Lord goes ahead Leads me where betide Oh, I want to see him Look upon his face There to sing forever Of his saving grace On the streets of glory Let me lift my voice Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in valleys low I look toward the mountain height, And behold my Savior there, leading in the fight, With a tender hand outstretched toward the valley low, Guiding me, I can see, onward I must go. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory let me lift my voice, Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep, Then my Lord directs my bark, He doth safely keep, And He leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me, oh, I love Him so. Oh, I want to see Him look upon His face, there to sing forever of His saving grace. On the streets of glory let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see Him look upon His face. There to sing forever of His saving grace. On the streets of glory let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful. Where the streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. 
Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on a road marked with suffering. There's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory. Bless your holy name, Lord. Praise you, mighty God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing love, now flowing down from hands and feet that were nailed to the tree. As grace flows down and covers me, it covers me. It covers me, it covers me, it covers me. Your grace covers me.
Lord, I thank you that we have you as our Lord and Savior. I thank you that you're our friend, as we've saying, what a friend we have in you. But Lord, I thank you that you are more than a friend. Lord, that you are you're closer than a brother. Lord, that you were willing to die for us on the cross. Lord, that you were you were willing to give your life that we might have life, Lord. And I thank you that today we enjoy that. We can live in that realm here today and yet look forward to a, a new and a fuller reality of that when we enter eternity. But Lord, I praise you and I thank you that you're very near to us today. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, we're never alone. We're always you're always near, as your word says, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And so, Lord, I praise you today. Blessed be your name. Holy is your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray now as we go to your word. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us. Teach us by your Spirit, Lord. Uh, Help us to understand and apply the Word and your teaching today. Lord, help myself, Lord, to be able to give this message with clarity and with in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we praise you. Lord, I also just want to remember and pray for those who are not with us because of the weather for various reasons and those individuals, again, that are uh, emergency responders that are out, people that are dealing with this weather this morning. Lord, that you would be with them, protect them, keep them out of harm's way, keep them safe, Lord. And Lord, we just would ask your hand of protection upon everyone just even everyone walking out to their cars that no one slips or falls or just be there Lord we just ask for your hand of protection upon us we ask all this in Jesus name Amen Amen you may be seated Well, this morning we are going to we're going to talk about suppressing the truth. Um, there's a difficulty, I think, for a lot of people to be able to deal in truth, speak the truth, live the truth. Um, it's not the popular thing to do today. Truth is is a scarce commodity in a lot of places. And so <clears throat> I felt like we needed to spend some time talking about this idea of, of suppressing the truth and why it's important that we do not do that, especially as believers in the Lord... Um, no, we know that God's word is is truth. 
He gave it to us. It's the foundation of our, of our faith. It's important that we honor it. We live by it. Uh, we can't serve Him faithfully and please Him if we don't. We, we have to walk that road. Because uh, He is truth in, in, in every way. He is truth. So I want to start with our text this morning. It's Romans uh, 1, verses 18 through 25. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. My point this morning that I want to leave with you and and talk about is that Christians are privileged to know the truth about God and His creation and must live by that truth. It's a privilege to know the truth and live by it. It it really is. It's 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 a... a place in life that is solid, it's dependable. It's a place where we can go to always know where we can find truth. We know where we can stand in regards to our life, pleasing God, helping us make decisions uh, about what we should do in life, what not to do. And so it's, it's, a, it's a very important area of life to have truth in our lives. Um, so let's talk about a few things this morning, but first let's talk about the, the wrath of God revealed. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So how serious is this idea of suppressing the truth? I think it's extremely important. It's a, it's a serious matter. Because if we don't have truth, or, or you, you know, if you know somebody that you can't trust that what they tell you or what they're talking about is, is truth, it, it leaves you in this place of not knowing what to do. Believe them, not believe, believe them, act on it, ignore it. You know, if they tell you something, you know, it, it's just... It's just a, a, a kind of a hopeless place to be in is when you're in a place where there is no truth because there's no place 
that you know that you should be a right or wrong. It, it's 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 very difficult. But when we have the lack of uh, a truth in life, that that place is completely contrary to the nature of God. That is, you know, God is God is truth. He will always be truth. And when we are lacking that, then, you know, that's a very, our lives are lacking a very godly element in our lives when we lack truth. And especially if we're the ones that are, um, because of the lack of truth in our lives, promoting something false or false teaching or, you know, something that, that we're, we are guilty of taking something that is is not true and saying it doing it living it and by so doing hurting ourselves hurting people you know the lack of truth does not do anything to improve or to give us a better quality of life a lot of the world would think that's what they need to do if they need to make up a lie or say something to make things right or justify what they do, that that's good. That's what they should do. But <clears throat> the reality is that, that those kinds of choices will come around at a very high price. Eventually, the lie will be found out, and eventually the price will be paid for the, the lack of truth in their lives. And if we look at this... <coughs> Um, you know, this this where we're at. And we live in a culture that has very carefully, over a number of years, decades, worked to completely undermine absolute truth, God's truth. To remove God's word, just even to talk about him from our culture. It's been worked at. It's a steady, deliberate process that is still ongoing. And, um, but this verse, in verse 18, if we look at it, it states the reason why the, why the, the idea of being, having truth suppressed is so, uh, uh, such a big issue. It says, for the truth is suppressed by the unrighteousness of ungodly men. Hopefully, God, uh, righteous men will not suppress the truth. They'll live by the truth and bring the truth out. Make it a part of their lives. But here, in, in Paul is writing to the church at Rome, he's making it very clear that it's the unrighteous acts of men that suppress the truth. They don't want the truth. And notice this, this verse, it's present tense. It says the wrath of God is revealed. Um, and there's a certain degree of God's wrath that's been and is being poured out on, on unrighteousness, ungodly people who have no place in their lives for God. And when, when we, I think it's important too when we talk about the wrath of God what we're talking about. It's not an uncontrolled emotional burst of anger like you and I have when we when we 
uh, are angry or you know we we unleash our, our our wrath on somebody it's not like that that what we see and demonstrate as humans is not what is God's wrath at all the wrath of God is not an uncontrolled burst of this anger but rather it's a display of justice and a holy reaction toward anything that is contrary or defiant against God's standard or character. God is God. He always will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing is going to change in regards to God. Only man changes. And how man looks at God and how God is willing to uh, serve him or be subject to him or even have a desire to do that. Uh, and so when we see God's wrath, it, it, it is because it is uh, a, a display of justice. It's a holy reaction to everything that is contrary or defiant to him. That's why he will do that or has to do that because of who he is. And that's why when we lack truth in our lives, it's, it's, it's so, uh, so important. It's such a big deal because truth is very much a part of God. And we can't hope to have our lives live a Christ-like life and not have it be filled or based upon truth. In Ephesians 5, 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. God's wrath is provoked by the wicked behavior of individuals and nations and by un the unfaithfulness of people. God just doesn't pour out his wrath just because he wants to. He, he, he is compelled to do it because of the actions of ungodly people. And so it, it becomes, uh, um, when it's present, it's because it's been brought in by man. It's, it's been justified, so to speak, letting it be a part of the way of life. And, and it is something that we as Christians need to be very careful about and, and discerning, making sure that, uh, you know, what our lives represent and that they are not have a mixture of truth and lies, but they're based totally on truth and based upon God's Word. A good example of this, when we see God's wrath being poured out especially upon individuals or nations, was when they, were, when they should have been entering the, the promised land. In Numbers 32, 10 through 13, it says, And the Lord's anger was kindled on that day, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and up shall see the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, nor none except Caleb, the son of 
Fesh, Jophanim, the Canaanite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generations had done evil that had done evil in the sight of the Lord were gone. And so, you know, God's wrath, when, it, when, when God pours it out, there is a reason for it. In this case, it was that a promise had been made and he had led his people out of Egypt through the Red Sea, through the desert, brought them there, and they were willing to believe lies and they were willing to compromise who the God is that they served. They couldn't see God as being big enough to help them or to fight for them to give the promised land that he had promised. Ten of the twelve spies lacked that integrity. And so God's wrath was angered. He, he poured it out. So any judgment or punishment that results from God's wrath against sin is actually an expression of his righteousness and his holiness. In the past, God's wrath has been revealed through such things as the flood, the famine, plagues, total destruction, scattering of people, even the burning of the land. You know, when God brought judgment, it was in the form of his wrath because of actions or things that people ha were willing to suppress the truth about him, what he um, desires, expects in us, in our lives. And they were willing to put that aside and do what they wanted. And so there was brought upon them God's wrath through his judgment. So let's move on from there. Let's go to God's ang anger in the present. Looking at God's wrath in the present. If we read on there in, in Romans 1, verses 19 through 20, I'll reread it. It says, For what, what can we know about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So God, God through his creation, has made a, a, a revelation or a general statement of who he is, that he is creator of his power and his, of his authority. Verse 21 goes on for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for imaging images resembling mortal men birds and animals and creeping things therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So in the present, God's anger is seen in how he gives wicked and defiant people over to 
uh, moral filthiness, spiritual corruption, and ungodly passions. If you read on from our text, beyond verse 25, God, or Paul spells out quite clearly and, and deals with the things that, that he, that were, where I mentioned that he turned them over to the lusts of their heart, to impurity and the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Homosexuality and lesbian and all of those sexual immoral things was the, the what they wanted to be involved in, what they had done and chose to do. It became their, their uh, punishment, so to speak, as God turned them over to that. It resembles a lot of what's going on in our world today. And that is to say that God allows people who rebel against him to go their own wicked and selfish ways, bringing ruin and destruction and death on themselves. So eventually, what was thought to be so good by unrighteous men really become their punishment or they... Um, I guess for no other description, they reap the benefits of what they've sowed. I mean, that's the course they chose. And it's a course of destruction. It brings ruin, death to themselves. And th this is where I think personally that you see an extreme danger of evolution. Because ele evolution is man's attempt to discredit God as creator. It's man's answer to not having God as creator or any intelligent design. So man, you know, that's very prevalent in our world today to have removed God as creator, not even being able to be taught in schools. Evolution is all that is taught. So in that sense, the, the uh, education of our, of our kids have um, they've removed God as creator. And so you can see how this text that Paul's writing is so relevant for us today. So the, the, uh, the idea behind this is if God can be removed as creator, the belief is that the invisible attributes in the world around us don't exist. Evolution explains everything that we see. That's man's attempt. But when a culture has gone as far as ours today to remove God from the fabric of our culture, we are seeing the results of our text in the lives of people today. Such behavior, after it's run its full course, often brings harsh consequences and becomes its own form of judgment. And it is... It is very sad that, you know, what our world is choosing to do today is nothing new. It is old hat. It has been going, this has been gone on since the very beginning. Satan brings it back every generation. Every generation has to face the temptation of homosexuality, lesbian, you know, everything that the Bible speaks against. 
nothing has changed. It's just our generation right now in the world, our country, have a majority of people that embrace this, and so we see laws being passed to that effect. But God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and his view of this type of sin has not changed. It doesn't matter how you twist it or change it or try to make it appeal and be okay. It has not changed. Only thing that's changed is man's viewpoint and their attempt to remove God so as to remove the, the guilty conscience, to have to deal with God in their lives. And God wants to draw people out of sin. He doesn't want people to be there. And the Holy Spirit will work to do that. But it brings conviction. It brings people face to face with the reality, consequences of this. And our world today would rather not deal with that. So they have chose to try to remove God from their lives. But as Christians, we must be very careful not to be caught up in the present rejection of God and the acceptance and the promotion of sexual immorality and the perverted lifestyles. This is something we need to be careful of because we see it all the time. You see it on TV and it's being promoted. And it looks n normal. It looks like this is what, we're, what, what life is supposed to be like. But it's not. It, it, it is so contrary to the truth to the Word of God, that we as Christians need to be careful that we don't begin to think similar thoughts and think, well, maybe it's okay, or maybe maybe we have to go to God's Word, find out what it says. And God's Word does not condone that. It, and so we have to be so careful that we don't allow that to happen in our lives. The last thing I want to talk about is substitution of truth. Taking truth out and putting something else in, substituting for it. Romans 1.25 says, Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the Creator rather than the, uh, served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is my focus of this message. This exchanging and substituting the truth for a lie. I've mentioned everything that I have up to this point to explain why Paul was writing this to the church. Because it's what we see today. It's what's happening in our world today. And so we can learn from this. We can... We can find that we don't have to fall into the same trap. We don't have to choose the same things because we know where it's going to lead with our relationship to God. All too often, I think, we, um, you know, when we talk about God's wrath, we think about it in association with the coming, the great tribulation. And God is going to, in that time period, bring judgment on a on, very ungodly world. And he's going to release wrath 
at that point that the world has never experienced. He was going to bring judgment. That's very clear in his word. That day is coming. But our text would indicate that there is a, a degree of right of, of God pouring out his wrath in the way that he turns people over to these the, the ungodly lifestyles and just allows people to do what they want. God's alive and well. I think too often our world is misled in thinking that he's not, he, he don't exist anymore because of his grace. He's patient, he's waiting for people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he allows people to choose but God is alive and well. And every person, when they leave this earth, when they die, their spirit, soul returns to God. That is very clear in Scripture. And so we can't stick our head in the sand and think that the absence of truth is okay. We can't substitute anything for it. So, sinful people have substituted the truth about God with a fantasy of their own imagination. They've come up with solutions or ideas or things that they want or see or explain that would... Justify the, the, the type of relationships, lifestyles that they want with no regard to what God w wants. So this is, in our day, this is where you and I as God's people must be spiritually wise and discerning of what is happening in our world today. There is absolute truth. It's God's Word. It's as relevant today as when Paul wrote it to the church at Rome, that our text, it's, it's, it, that text that Paul wrote could have been written today and fit perfectly with what's going on. It, it is, God's word is timeless because the things that it deals with in the lives of men do not change. Circumstances do as far as where we live and some of the things we face, but our character, our morals, who we are, the things we deal with inside of us, the relational things, those do not change from generation to generation. It doesn't matter what's going on, how technological we are, how advanced we think we are, the things we, we have, that has really no bearing at all on it. Um, so our culture would have us to believe that there is no absolute truth. Truth is all relevant to circumstances. What's truth for me may not be truth for you or vice versa. And that's okay. That thought or teaching is absolutely false. That's not okay. To have shifting, changing things that are truth, aren't truth. That is absolutely false. Paul made it very clear that the truth, what the truth is and the purpose of God's word. 
why we have it, why it's so valuable. It's, it's a verse that we go to often as believers. Second uh, Timothy 3:16 and 17 it says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work." If we will take and put God's word into our lives, it will it will bring truth. It'll bring training. It'll it's what we need in order to govern our life, govern govern our lives, direct us, go to when we have doubts or questions. It, it, it's our direction, and we need it. We need it. Our, our, our culture needs it. Our, our world needs it. We need truth. Paul also wrote to the Thessalonian church about not believing the truth. In 2 Thessalonians 2 and verses 9 through 12, he wrote, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. Therefore God sent them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This road we're on is a road of destruction. Our culture, our, our, our world... It's headed in, it's, it is, this ain't going to end well, to use bad grammar. It, it's not. It, it has to be turned around. Peter encourages us to be established in truth, and we have, that we have in the gospel. We must believe and act on the truth of the gospel. And Peter writes descriptively about what should be in our lives, you know, how, how we build character, how we build upon truth and stand upon it and, and what should result from it. In first, or Second Peter 1 and verses 5 through 12, he writes, for this, is, for this very reason, make every effort to s- supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So in other words, if we put these things in our lives and make model our lives after these things that Peter's saying here that are important, he says we will never fall if these qualities are in our lives. And they're, they, they, these qualities are, are truths of God's Word. They're, they're truth for all generations, not just ours or not just Peter's or Paul's, but for all, all generations. For in this way there will be, 
there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. So Peter's saying he's going to keep reminding them that that's where they need to be. That's what they need to have in their lives. Because it's the truth that's been put in their life by the gospel, by God's word. And that truth is vital. It's important. It is our lifeline. It keeps us headed in the direction we need to go, in God's directions. And keep us off that road of destruction that I mentioned last week that the the road to destruction is wide and the gate is wide. But the road to our Lord and to that is right is narrow and the gate is narrow and not very many people find it unfortunately but we have God's word that helps us guide us and get us there and it's so important that we maintain the the, the, the word in our lives because it, it's where we go to to discern or know what's right or wrong when I was working in electronics before we came to Wyoming, I was working at a, a company in in uh, in Idaho, electronics company, and we did a, we did we built uh, subassemblies contracts for various customers, and those things that we built, the workmanship that was done, was done to specifications, and they they had to match up with them. And there's various levels or degrees of specifications, all from mil specs all the way down to just, you know, our company uh, specifications of what we, you know, said we would do, you know, as a company. Uh, But there's all these standards, mil specs, uh, ISO specs, various ones. And we had to be careful that we knew what we were building these two because some things that were acceptable on the lower standards were not acceptable on the higher ones and so those if the workmanship was not up to the level of the standard that we were supposed to be building for too they would be rejected so it was imperative that we knew the standard that we were being held accountable to or we were most likely going to do it wrong That's exactly the same thing with our lives today with God's Word. It's the standard to which we are being held accountable. We will be held accountable to it one day. When we step into eternity and and our spirit returns to God, we will be held accountable to His standard, to that truth. And so we can't be... We can't just stick our hand, head in the, the sand and pretend like we can do anything we want here and expect to step into eternity and spend eternity with God. It don't work that way. That is not God. That's not his character. In Judges 17 and verse 6 it says, and it's a thing that it's almost haunting because it's, it, it, it can apply to today. But it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When Israel did not have a godly king, 
to lead them. They got into all kinds of trouble. They wandered away from God faster than, than, than sheep can walk away from a, a pen. It, it, it's amazing. But it's exactly what happens today. People have chose to take God out of their world, and so now everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. There is no standard, even though we are a nation, one nation under God. And our currency says, in God we trust, but yet we don't, as a nation, don't want God. We want to do what is right in our own eyes. And that's why we see all of this stuff going on that is absolutely ungodly, unhealthy, and leading our nation down a path of destruction. God is not going to treat our nation any different than he's treated any other nation in history. It's imperative that we get back to the truth and put truth in our lives. I can't stress enough the importance of truth, and especially God's truth. And so your acceptance of God's truth is imperative, and nothing less, nothing else, lest we fall into the lies and the traps of our culture. So going back to my main point is, is this. Per Christians are privileged to know the truth about God. And his creation. We know that. And we must live by that truth. If we expect to be God's people. And we expect one day to spend eternity with him. So I encourage you to, to really think about this idea of truth. And why truth is important. And even if there's areas in, in, in your life that you know that it, it is not a representation of truth, and especially God's truth. God is forgiving. God will accept repentance. If you're willing to change, God will forgive. And, and individually and, and as a nation, we need to seek God's forgiveness, to repent. And if we do, God says that he will heal our land. So we need to we need to seek God. We need to be willing to live up to this truth. Christians, whether knowingly or unknowingly, must never su suppress the truth, God's truth especially. Don't be fooled into believing that there are no present consequences for lies and ungodly beliefs of man. Our text proves that God brings wrath into our lives today. We will suffer the consequences of that. So if we do, they'll come at a very high price, and especially when one enters eternity. There is absolute truth which is found in the Word of God. So I encourage you, if, if you haven't put God's Word in your life, if you haven't understood what it is, I encourage you to, to 
get a modern translation of the word and read it. Find out what it says. Find out what it says for yourself. Don't take the, the, the words or the advice of anybody. Find out for yourself. Because one day you are going to stand before God. So it is imperative that, that you find out what it is that you're going to be held accountable to. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you and I praise you, Lord God. I thank you that in the craziness of our world today that we can find truth, we can find that stability, we can find a place that we can go to uh, and a place we can find wisdom and understanding to build our lives upon. That we don't have to be tossed back and forth by all of these different ideas of man and what man thinks or this group thinks or what man thinks that our world should look like or what is acceptable to do. But we can go to your word. It is so relevant for today. And find out what we need to find out. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of us, Lord, in our lives, regardless of where we're at with you and where we're at in life, as far as uh, you know, affluent or we're, we're, we're not, it doesn't matter. But Lord, just help everyone to find the truth, find truth that they can apply to their lives and change their lives. Bring their lives into a, a, a godly order of, of trying to the best of their ability to honor God's truth in their world and in their lives. So Lord, I thank you that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we don't have to make this journey on our own, but through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can accomplish truth in our world despite what's going on around us. And so, Lord, I thank you. I praise you, Lord. And just bring, bring that <clears throat> determination into our lives, Lord, to seek you out, to seek your truth and apply it to our lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like prayer, uh, we would like to pray with you. Whatever that... Uh, Prayer might be, whatever the need might be, we believe God is still at work uh, to bring healing into our, into our lives. So if you would like prayer, come and we will believe God for whatever the need might be.